0: Now, wasn't that good? Amen. Mike and Tanner, that was a beautiful number. Well done. Good message for all of us. We have gone through, this is our eighth lesson on the home. And uh, I'll remind you that Jesus talked about people building houses. And uh, there were two. One fell and the other did not. The other withstood the storms. The one who fell was one who heard the word but did not obey. The one who stood the storms was the one who not only heard the word but built their house on the rock. They obeyed the Lord. So I trust that you understand that all the knowledge that anyone could give you, all the book you can read, unless you're willing to obey the Lord and obey the scriptures and follow the pattern that he has given us, uh, it'll do you very little good. I trust you and I challenge you that you would accept and adapt the phrase that I did when I was raising my children that is Lord if you'll just show me what to do I'll do it uh, sometimes we come to the end of ourselves probably more times than we like to think we would where we don't have the answer where we are kind of stuck so I trust that you will just go before the Lord and say Lord if you'll just show me I'll, I'll just do it and uh, follow what the Bible says uh, this final lesson is necessary uh, A wayward child uh, is a painful thing. Uh, It's hard. It is, you know, we, uh, we, our children come from good homes. They attend a good church. Some of them have been schooled in Christian schools. They have caring parents. But somehow that arrow that came into our quiver that we worked so hard to prepare and send out did not follow a straight course. And uh, it's a very emotional decision. Therefore, uh, as there are in many things, there, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. One ditch is to accommodate the rebellion and to uh, take your, try to eliminate the consequences of their sin. The other is that you shut them out completely. Uh, you're rhetoric radical, radical, I don't want you in my home, I don't want to see you again, blah, blah, blah. Both of those extremes are wrong. But as always, God gives us an answer, and in this case, a model to follow. If you have that in your home or you're helping someone who might, it is always wise and good to turn to Scripture. So if you would turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. This is a great, wonderful passage Now, I want you to notice, first of all, always when we study any part of Scripture is to understand the context of it. What was going on? Why why did Jesus tell these these parables and to whom was he talking? If you notice in verse number 1, "...then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying..." This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. That is the context. The con- the criticism was that by the Pharisees that he was eating with sinners, and somehow that was a grievous sin to them. So Jesus tells a trilogy of stories to illustrate what it means and why he does what he does. I really love Caleb. We're at Caleb Becker, someplace, I love your song this morning. I love the word, Before I loved him, he loved me. Before I sought him, he sought me. Isn't that a, isn't that a, great, isn't that a great song and a great statement to say? And that's exactly the way it is. You know, these three parables tell us a lot about the Lord, about the Savior. Safe for the ninety and nine in the fold. Safe though the night was stormy and cold. But said the shepherd, when counting them o'er, one sheep is missing. There should be one more. So all through the night, on the stormy deep, the shepherd went out and sought for the sheep. He sought till he found him. With love bands he bound him. And I was that one lost sheep. If we ever get over that, that the loving shepherd sought us and saved us before we even loved him. While we were yet sinners, Romans says, he died for us. So this lost sheep, this first part of the the first parable, talks about a caring shepherd, shows that side of our Lord. The shepherd who goes out and looks, not satisfied with ninety and nine, but wanting that one sheep to come back into the fold. The second story is a diligent woman who lost a coin and she sought and sh- swept the house and looked diligently until she found that coin. So we see a diligent woman here picturing our Lord and his work in our lives. Then we see this last one. There was a lost son, and we see here a forgiving father. Notice the father's words. Listen carefully. This my son was dead, and is alive again. My what a what a what a moment of your rejoicing! What a what a great time for the family to rejoice in the fact that God had rescued this son who was out in sin. This. Character. This drama has three characters. The first character, of course, is the love. The younger son is a character in this story. The second character is the father, and the third character is the elder son. Now, make no mistake. The hero of the father, the hero of the story, is the father. Uh, this story represents who the Lord Jesus is and how he feels toward the wanderer. Uh, the younger son, let's, let's look at it. I need to hear it. It's important. And the younger son, uh, he, a certain man had two sons, verse 11. And the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods which falleth to me. And he divided them with him his, le- his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered it all together and took his journey into a far country, and he wasted his substance and right his living. And when he had spent all, there came a, a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself with the citizens of the country and sent them into the fields to feed swine. He would have fain had filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. But no man gave, to him, gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I mentioned this early on, and this ought to be the pattern of your study. I hope you learn to study the Bible. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. To read the Bible is one thing, but to spend time with it and to study it is important. And one of the keys to it is asking questions. Ask yourself as you're reading it. So here's a, here's a question. Was the home that the, the prodigal left a, a pleasant or an unpleasant place? It was a pleasant, it was a pleasant place. He, in the hog bin he said, you know, my father's got plenty. And he's generous. He, he gives it to everybody. I'll just go back there and I'll, I'll be so much better off back there. It was, a, it was a pleasant place. I mean, that's another question. Was his dad overbearing and cruel? No. He was a good man, a loving man. We see that throughout the entire story. And the question is, why did he want his inheritance now? It was contrary to Jewish law. It was contrary to tradition. So what does this tell us about the son that he wanted his inheritance now? Well, he had something he wanted to do. He had plans, he has ideas. And he was willing to take this money, which, by the way, was very much you know normally under Jewish law. When the father was no longer able to do it, then the inheritance would be divided. But the father gave him the inheritance. The second thing we see in verse 13, and he took his journey into a far country. Why? Why do you think he left a good home with a loving father and went to a far, far country? Well, we see because of the lifestyle that he chose. He wasted his substance in riotous living. His brother said he spent his money on harlots, she said. He said. He went to the foreign country to satisfy his lust. Why did he do that? Listen carefully to this, because that's where his heart was. His heart wasn't with his father. His heart wasn't in that good home with a loving father. His heart was someplace else. And he wanted something else. <clears throat> so, he went to a place, no supervision, no safety, and no accountability. And there he wasted his substance in righteous living. I mean, in the foreign country, no one was going to tell him what to do. There was nobody going to supervise him and, and warn him. He just... Went there because he wanted to satisfy his own lust. He wasted his substance. By the way, I challenged you last week about reading Proverbs and identifying the, the characters of Proverbs. The fool, the scorner, and the wise man. And that's in the simple, that was the fourth, fourth one. But one of the characteristics of a fool you'll find in Proverbs, they don't listen. And the other, the other is that they cannot see and understand the results of their folly. They do things they can't understand why things don't turn out right. They go, they make choices and do things, but a fool doesn't see ahead and doesn't understand that what he's doing is going to cause great problems and great as great great, great uh, difficulty. And of course, then he meets himself when he had spent all. Hey, the broad road always leads to destruction. destruction. Now. You know, that's just the way God fixed it. You, you know, you can uh, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Was a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And this young man thought if he left his father's house with plenty of money, he could satisfy his lust and everything would go great. But it didn't. Because God had a greater plan. So, pretty soon he spent all his money. And then also there arose a mighty famine in the land. Now let me ask you another question. Who's in charge of famines? You know, one of the things, is, this is totally off the subject, So, but I've been thinking about this. We have all kinds of strange meteorological things happening in America. Have you noticed that? Rain where it's not usually rain, storms, hurricanes, hot, you know, terrible heat. Uh, we'll probably have terrible cold in the winter. and And everybody says it's climate change well what is that but nobody has said god may be sending america a message maybe it's time that we realize there's a god in heaven who rules you know he hasn't given up throne yet he never will and so just as the wind and the rain heard the voice of Jesus and obeyed, so it, they still obeyed today. So this, this famine in the land comes from the hand of a loving God. Remember that. God loves sinners. The Father loved the Son. So this, this storm, this famine came at a time when he had spent all. And then we see in verse 15, he began to be in water. He had no money. All, all the money was gone. I mean, he went he went through it. It was all gone. I don't know how long it took, but it, it got it. He got, it came to the end of the road. It, you always do. You see, there's always disaster at the end of the broad road. And then there was no food. <laughs> a Jewish boy feeding pigs. I mean, that, that's really a, you know, if you understand. The pigs were, were forbidden animals. They, they were unclean animals. And there this Jewish boy raised in a Jewish home, a good home, and he ends up in a place feeding pigs and there, there's no food. And he said he was so hungry that he would willingly have eaten what the pigs were eating. I mean, that's really hungry, right? And then the sad verse 16 says this, no man gave unto him. Look at, look at the progression. no money. No food, no friends. All the ones that helped him spend his money, all the ones that loved to party with him, all the ones that enjoyed his company when he had money, suddenly there's no friends around either. He is alone. He is forgotten. He's destitute. Now, remember this. From our perspective, from the biblical perspective, all of these circumstances helped to bring the son home. All these things. He came to himself. He realized what he had done. He realized where he was. So, here's the question. I I put it in here. It's a trick question. I, I often ask trick questions. This is one. You ready? Here it is. Was the famine a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it depends on how you respond to it, right? You know? Uh, it is a good thing if you respond the right way, which he did. It's a bad thing if you respond the wrong way. Some people in the middle of a famine raise their fists and curse God. If I heard, I've heard it once, I've heard it 10,000 times. Why did God let this happen to me? But well, because he's a wise God. That's why. Because he sends exactly the amount of rain and sun and storms that we need. So this famine was not a bad thing to the to the prodigal; it helped to bring him home. It was part of the part of what God uses. Verse seventeen of this chapter. It begins to get good, and he came to himself, and he said, "How many hired servants of my fathers, of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger?" He came to himself. He began to see where he was. It's a wonderful thing when God brings us to the end of ourselves and we realize where we really are. What, 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 how did I get here? I've often thought of Lot. Lot's one of those guys that, that you know, it, it's fascinating in a in a, hard, a dark way. He was, he was Abraham's nephew. He was a man of a great heritage, a man who had great potential. And he, yet he chose that one choice to go into Sodom. Actually, he just pitched his tent towards Sodom. He didn't even go into Sodom. He just pitched his tent towards Sodom. And if you know the story, all the rest of it was just one disaster after another. and the uns- Unspeakable disasters that happened in his life. But he made that choice. But this young man came to himself. When he did, he remembered something. He remembered his father's house. He said, you know, my father's house wasn't so bad after all. Uh, at least at my father's house, I'm not hungry. I've got food to eat, and there are servants there, and and, and and I could I could just be one of them. I could, and you know, the servants were there; they were taken care of. I could go there; I could be taken care of too. So he realized where he was. He came to himself, and then he says, "I will arise and go to my father." Now, what was his opinion of his father? Well, we, we see a little. A hint to that. If you look at this, he said this. He said, uh, "Look, look, if you would look at look at verse eighteen. Verse eighteen says, I will arise and go to my father, and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I'm no more. Lo- I'm no more worthy to be called thy son, making as one of thy hired servants.' Now to get this, he did not understand the depth of his father's love. He did not understand. He he thought. He expected punishment. I mean, he's, a, you know, I don't, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. You know, I've, I've wasted my money. I've, I've embarrassed my family. I've lived a terrible life. And my father should punish me. But he didn't understand. It was the father's love he did not understand. So he expected punishment, but he received grace. Uh, isn't that good? We don't get what we deserve. You know, no matter where we are, what God does with us, we do not get what we deserve. We get God's grace, praise God. And God never makes a mistake. So, he says, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. So, he says, I'm no more worthy to be called a son. He has guilt, he has shame. But you know, Guilt's not a bad thing. Not always. Uh, If you live with guilt and don't get it fixed, it's a bad thing. But you know, guilt realizing that you do not deserve things from God. Realizing that the road you are on is not the right road. Realizing you've embarrassed your family, embarrassed yourself, you've wasted time. Realizing that is not bad unless you go to your father. Unless you're willing to deal with it. God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I mean, the, the prodigal had, I think, come to this place. He had he had done embarrassed his father. He had left home. He had done all these things. And now he feels the weight of his failure to sin. Now we see the Father. He's the hero of the story. The one the Father, of course, represents our Lord and how he feels about sinners. And I want you to notice something. First of all, the father misjudged his son, his intentions. You know, one of the things you think about, in the, you know, why did the father give the son his, his uh, inheritance? Well, we tend to sometimes see our kids through rose-colored glasses. You know, we, he, he, he shouldn't have done it. It was a mistake. And I think if you ask him down the road, was that a mistake, he would say yes. It was a mistake. But he did it. He did it because he loved his son. He probably, but, he, but he misunderstood what his son was thinking, where his son was going, what his son would do. I personally believe that if he had known that, he never would have given the son the money. But he misunderstood his son. He did not see him as he really was. And although he was not a perfect father, he made a big mistake that, that resulted in disaster. Here's what, here's what we know. He had compassion, verse 20, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Wow. Look at, Let's look at that verse. Verse 20 says, And he rose and came to his father. Now look at this. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. What does that tell us? While he was a great way off, what does that say? Huh? He was looking for him. You know, uh, Carson, where's Carson Cook? You're right there. Carson, the other night, I was sitting right back there where I sit, and you were walking to choir. So all I could see was the back of your head and your body. And I said, there's Sean Cook. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, he's he's not Sean Cook, he's Carson. But he walks just like Sean. Then you look like your dad, too. I hope you have the character your dad has too he's a great man but you see he was a great way off and you have to wonder how many nights did he go out there and look I mean the very night he came he was out there looking for him and there he was a great way off so when the sun came up he said man I've got some things to say to you you reprobate you spent our money and you right no that's not what he did when he was a great way off his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him by the way he, the son never got through with his speech <laughs> you know the speech about you know making, he never got past that here's a question you need to talk about why did a loving father not go to a far country and drag his son home? Could have done that, right? You could have found out where he was and gone off and dragged him home. You know, one of the one of the ditches is that sometimes parents do that. You know, they they drive down to the, to the far country, find their son in the hog pen, give him a credit card, and a new Camaro, and go back home. No, that's not what. That's not. That's, we don't need to, 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 to prevent the consent consequences to infect our children. God's in charge of consequences. God's in charge of what goes on. His father did not go to the far country looking for him. Did not bring him home. And here's the reason. Because his heart would not have been at home. His heart would have been in the far country. And until the heart turns itself back home, the son being there wouldn't be right, wouldn't be what it should be. But he let the son come home. And then the choice the father had a choice. He could have been embarrassed, or he could have been joyful. The son had given him plenty of reason to be embarrassed. I know in those kind of cultures, all the the people around knew what happened. They all knew. They all heard about it. I mean, they were a wealthy guy, you know. They knew about the son. All that was, maybe not all the details, but they knew. But I want you to see something. The father never disowned the son. What did he say when he came back? This, my son, was dead. And is alive again. The the prodigal was still a son in the hog pen. And he was still a son when he came home. And the father never, ever dis. The father restored him in front of the father's friends. Wow, think about that. You know, he, he could have gotten up and, and, and embarrassed and talked about, you know, well, I know you know about my son. And we're all embarrassed about that. And, you know, and i that, that's not what he said what he said was this is my son he was dead he's, he's alive again he was lost and is found let's rejoice and so the father says in verse 23 and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again was lost and is found verse 22 says the father said to the servants bring forth the best robe and put it on him Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. The four gifts of forgiveness. The gift the the father gave to the son is incalculable. It is more than money can buy. It It is a gift that is eternal. The first thing is the father's gift was compassion. Instead of being angry, instead of being bitter, instead of being resentful, he had compassion on his wayward son. And then you put on him a robe. A robe in those days represented the family and actually represented your your place in the family. It recognized the fact you were a son. In Jewish culture, you read James talks about that a lot in the book of James. The clothes told who you were and where you were. You know, told all that. And so to have the robe Put on him meant that he was part of the family. It identified him as not just a servant, not a slave, but one who was part of the family. And then he put on him a ring. The ring was used to seal contracts. The ring represented authority, a family authority. This was a son. He had the authority of a son of a family. And then he put on shoes. Family functionality. Uh, Now, son, go out to go to work. Now do what you're supposed to do. The father never berated or humiliated his son, although doubtless the father was hurt and embarrassed by the son's choices. Wonderful story of redemption, a wonderful story of grace, not punishment, but grace. The father loved the son and therefore welcomed him back into the family. But there's another character in the story. So we go read with me beginning at verse number 29. Then answering, this is the, son, well, let's see verse, verse 20. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father went out again and entreated him. Again, the, you see the father going out. The son, he didn't wait for the son to come in. He went out to find him. He was not there. He would not participate in the, in the party. He would not come for the rejoicing of the lost son who'd come home. And he answering, said unto his father, Lo, these many years I do serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured his living with heartless, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he, the father, said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet or appropriate that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. The last character of the story And here's what I've labeled him, the prodigal that stayed home. Oh, he was as much a prodigal as the one who left home and lived in a foreign country because he was out of touch with his father's heart. The most important thing at this point was the father's concern for that lost son. And this son never, ever recognized that. And when the son came home, in repentance, instead of acknowledging that and accepting that and loving that and rejoicing with everybody else, he was angry. He was mad. He was angry and would not would not go in. By the way, the product of the stayed home were those folks in the early part of this passage that said, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Yes, he does. Aren't you glad he does? Aren't you glad he receives sinners? And aren't you glad he says, if any man uh, open the door, I will come into him, I will sup with him, and then with me? Aren't you glad we have fellowship with God around the table? Four things lost because of the younger son's choices. Don't, you see, sometimes we, we stop there and we don't think. There, there's a consequence, there always is. There's a consequence for living wrong. There's a consequence for wasting our life. There's a consequence. And this this son, while he came home and was accepted back into the family and honored by his father and all the things that happened, there were, there were four things lost. One, the time in the far country could not be recovered. Those, those years were gone. They were wasted. I've wasted many precious years. Lord, I'm coming home. You know... It's a wonderful thing to turn to God at some point in your life. It's a wonderful thing to to come back to God after having strayed. But it is a far better thing never to stray at all. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So the time of the far country could never be could never be regained the fatherly joy and peace all those years that he was gone we don't know how long it was but however long it was you know a loving father suffered knowing the, the son had done what he had done had gone away and had lived as he had lived so the father's joy and peace was upset the son never recorded his inheritance that was gone I mean the thing that would make him a wealthy man who would take care of his future. He had wasted; it. it was gone. It never comes back. It's gone. The other thing was his relationship with his brother. Now, there's no no account that he ever made up with his brother, or the brother ever accepted him. I mean, it looked like it from what the Bible says. Of course, that wasn't wasn't the end of the story, wasn't the part of the story, but it doesn't say that he ever made up with his brother, his brother accepted his. And by the way, did that hurt the father's heart? Does it hurt the father when people respond the wrong way, when a sinner comes and gets right with God? Hey, the, the rejoicing. My son was dead and is alive again. That should be the response of believers, and that's exactly what this parable is teaching us. Jesus was, was criticized for the very thing that ought to characterize our life. We love people and we're willing to be with people, but willing to reach out our hand to people. So there are two nevers. Never knowingly finance rebellion. I am a generous man. I've got eight grandchildren and two great grandchildren, and I am a very generous man. But I've told my children and my grandchildren, so by the way, it started with my children, I will never knowingly finance rebellion, period. I won't. If I think if I think this thing you want me to do is going to help you run from God, I will never finance it. Never. Ever finance rebellion number two the second never is never continually preach to the prodigal you know we would love my mother used to say I'll just jerk a knot in you I never knew what that meant it didn't sound good though <laughs> you know you, you really can't convict anybody else who does the convicting the Holy Spirit and to continually, continually mind, remind a person of their failures. And to preach at them and tell them how, how embarrassment you are to my, to my family. You, made me, you embarrassed me in front of my friends. You wasted my money. What's wrong with you? And do it not just once, but all the time. I'll tell you what happens they stop listening. And they stop coming around. And they won't answer your phone calls. And they won't come at Christmas. and won't come at Thanksgiving either. I mean, you know, you shut the door. So never, ever continually preach the gospel. To always, always express unconditional love. In your heart of hearts, you should say, there's no circumstance on earth that would cause me not to love my children. Now, understand that that statement means a lot. It has a, it has a lot of different aspects to it. In other words, my love for my children would never allow me to finance, uh, finance rebellion. My love for my children would never cause me to berate them in front of my friends or to apologize to them or make them feel unworthy. That, that My love would never let me do that. So always express unconditional love. And always leave the door open. Uh, this, is, this is a wonderful part of this story. He knew when he came back home, he could go home and he could find food to eat and he'd have a father there who cared for him. He knew that. So, therefore, he, because he was convicted, because of the family. think about this the Holy Spirit is the one who's the convictor. And sometimes he, these unpleasant situations happen to, to have us come to ourselves. And that's good. And he came to a decision. That's better. But when he came to his father, that fixed it. So he came back and he got the thing fixed and got it right. The door was open. Don't ever close the door. I'm embarrassed and ashamed. How many Christian families don't follow that last statement? You're not welcome at home. You're not welcome around me. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear. I don't want to cards from you. I don't want to you're done, you're done with you. Never, ever, not ever. We should never, ever have anything but unconditional love for our children because that's God's pattern. That's the way God does. That's how God treats us. Now, I thought it'd be appropriate tonight to sing a song. We always end our service that way. But this is different. Uh, It's a song I picked out. And I asked Mike, I said, Mike, can we do that? He said, yeah, we could. We're gonna sing three stanzas. We don't often do that either. But you know, I think it'd be good as we sing the song, as we always do, to think about what we're singing. To put ourselves in the place of that prodigal, to put ourselves in the place of that father, and sing this song with understanding. And let God speak to our heart. I want to find I want to end the service like that. I'm gonna pray in the mic if you come and let's sing the song. We'll all sing all stanzas, please. Father. There's no way that we can express to you our gratitude, our love, for your unchanging love for us. You are the great father of this story, and we the prodigal. And yet, Father, you've always loved us, and before we ever loved you, you loved us. and Certainly, you love us better than we ever loved you. You have sought us so often. Teach us, Lord, to come to you with a humble heart to walk with you in the light, to glorify you with our lives, and to serve you with all that we have. And Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.